Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython weekly meeting for November 9th, 2020. Uh, this is the time of the week where we get together and talk about all things CircuitPython. Uh, I'm Scott and I work for Adafruit on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python designed for microcontrollers, which are little small computers that are inexpensive and uh, are used in lots of, lots of things. Um, Adafruit is... Uh, primary sponsor of CircuitPython, including myself and a number of others in this meeting. So if you'd like to support uh, CircuitPython, one way to do it is by purchasing hardware from Adafruit. They're an open source hardware and software company based out of New York, and you can go to adafruit.com to do so. Uh, this meeting happens uh, at Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server, which everyone is welcome to join by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we'd love to see you there. We're there in the text chat all week long, along with the voice chat for this meeting on Mondays. Um, let's see. Uh, if you like to speak during the meeting, uh, we do have the permission to speak limited by uh, being in the CircuitPythonistas role. So if you uh, do want to speak, just uh, let us know and we'll add you to that role. Uh, it prevents folks from dropping in and spamming us, which is good. Um, also, there is a calendar available for when this meeting happens. Uh, just in case uh, there is a U.S. holiday on Monday, we tend to bump it either to Tuesday or, or, yeah, basically move the meeting to Tuesday. So if you want to know when those are because you're not in the U.S., the calendar is a great way to do it. It's also a great way to handle uh, time zone differences. So if you are outside of the U.S., um, check the links that Jeff just put in the doc. Um, this meeting is recorded, so heads up... Uh, that we do record the audio from the voice channel and video of the text channel. That's the circuit Python text channel. Um, so just let us know. Uh, later on, we will uh, give you the option of speaking. Otherwise, if you don't want to do that, you can just put notes in the notes doc and we'll follow up with that. Uh, we record it because we put this uh, on YouTube and the audio gets pushed out as a podcast so that people who cannot make the meeting can still listen in and hear what's going on in circuit Python land. Um, like I said, there is a note stock. Uh, please drop your name in there, um, it, along with hug reports and status updates. Um, so this meeting is in five parts. Uh, the first part we have is community news, which is a, an overview of like all things CircuitPython happening around the internet. So we'll do that briefly. Follow, we'll follow that with the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka which is kind of the statistics objective point of view of how the world is, or how CircuitPython is going. Um, and yeah, that's meant to ground us in, in the realities of like the numbers that, that we want. Uh, after that, we have Hug Reports, which is the first of two round robin sections. Uh, so each, I will start and we'll go through the list of the folks in the voice channel uh, mixed in with folks who've left notes in the notes doc. Um, just saying briefly uh, thank yous to folks for the awesome work that they've been doing. So that's what Hug Reports is all about. It's about letting people know you're appreciative of them and reinforcing uh, what we value as a community. After that, we have a second uh, second round robin called Status Updates, which is uh, a chance for you to talk a couple minutes about what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. It's a great way for folks to have uh, or give tips and tricks to other folks uh, if they're working on something that's similar to something you worked on in the past, for example. Um, and I should say that it, if you are uh, in the voice channel but don't want to speak uh, for any reason, just let us know that you're lurking. Uh, check the notes doc to make sure that you're noted as lurking as well. Um, if you do want to have uh, participate but not speak, you can put notes in the notes doc, and I'll read those off on your behalf. Um, the fifth part of the meeting, the last part, is the in the weeds section. This is a chance for us to talk about basically anything that we want to talk about related to CircuitPython. Um, and if you have a topic for that, just drop it in the notes doc and basically we'll go through the list of things there. And uh, I will call on, like, leave your username so that we can kind of say like, oh, so-and-so, do you want to introduce this topic? And then we'll discuss it. Um, so that's uh, about it. And uh, I will take a time code for the notes and then uh, talk community news. So first and foremost, uh, 
our lead story uh, is Blinken now supports 60 single board computers. So as of this week, Blinken now supports 60 single board computers. And for those of you who don't know, Blinken allows single board computers to run most of the 280 CircuitPython libraries. So that's very exciting, and we get a lot of people that. So uh, early congrats to maker Melissa as well, who's the leader of Blinka. Uh, next up, we have, uh, after I take a time code, uh, CircuitPython 6.0 RC1 was released, thanks to Dan. Um, it is the second release candidate of 6.0. Um, if it if we don't find any stability issues, uh, then we'll mark it as stable and, and move on in the world, which will be exciting. Um, next up, and the doc doesn't have pictures, but check uh, the post from yesterday from Max Holiday. Uh, CircuitPython is going to be sent into space next month, it looks like. Um, there's at least four spacecraft running CircuitPython 5.3.1 that are launching in December by NASA, which is super, super exciting. Um, and thank you, Foamy Guy, for the screenshot uh, of it there. Um, next up, the LCA Linux Conf Australia 2021 Swag Badge Project. A limited number of Swag Badge electronic badges will be produced for the online Linux Conf Australia which will be distributed to conference attendees January 23rd through 25th online worldwide. Uh, the swag badge is specifically developed and tailored for the conference. The board will uh, will ready for development with the latest MicroPython installed and features an ESP32 microcontroller and dual OLED displays. Um, always good to see that. Uh, second to last, we have an Adafruit update. Uh, Adafruit is shipping orders. Uh, and we're also stocked with stuff, so check that out. And now's the best time to get orders in for your favorite products, including uh, holiday projects and gifts. Um, Adafruit parts have free and easy-to-follow tutorials at the Adafruit Learning System, which is learn.adafruit.com, and you can buy products from adafruit.com. Uh, this all comes courtesy of the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter, uh, that is emailed every Tuesday morning. Uh, shout out to Anne, who runs the, puts all the news together every week for this awesome newsletter. Um, for those of you here, if you're doing really cool um, Python, MicroPython, CircuitPython projects, we'd love to hear about them. We'd love to highlight them in the newsletter. So uh, if you'd like to contribute, uh, oh yeah, I guess I should say if you want to get the newsletter, you can go to adafruitdaily.com. If you'd like to contribute uh, to the newsletter uh, for yourself, you can go to Adafruit slash or github.com slash Adafruit slash CircuitPython dash weekly dash newsletter. Check the drafts pay, uh, folder there and submit a pull request. Um, you can also tag, tag at an underscore engineer. That is A-N-N-E underscore engineer on Twitter or email anb at adafruit.com with all your hot leads of really cool Python stories. Uh, and with that, that's community news. Uh, next up, we have state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka. Uh, first, I'll talk overall and then go to the core and then hand it off to Katni for libraries and Melissa for Blinka. So first off, I will say overall, we had 26 pull requests merged from 14 different authors. Um, some new folks that I don't recognize here are TWA127, um, and Sporeball, I think, is relatively new as well. Uh, we had nine reviewers uh, for those 26 pull requests, so thank you to all nine reviewers. As always, um, if you want to start contributing, uh, adding review, getting review privileges and helping us review is really, really helpful. Um, and so if you want to do that, reach out to... Uh, Myself or Katni or Dan uh, or any, uh, we can direct you to some other folks as well. If you want to help review, um, the more reviewers we have, the more authors we can support. Um, issues wise, we had 21 closed issues by 15 people and 23 opened by 20 people. Um, so uh, net open two, which is not too bad, and lots of people are involved, which is really exciting. And next up is the core. So on the core side, um, we have eight pull requests merged from eight different authors. Thank you to all our authors. We had four reviewers. 
we have 17 open pull requests. Uh, a number of those, three of those, again, are over 100 days old. Um, and uh, we also have a couple new ones. So uh, that's where we are on pull requests. We have two closed issues by two people, seven open by seven people. So uh, we're part of the problem. We've got five new open pull requests or new issues um, for a total of 326 open issues. Uh, one way that we keep track of how we're doing on triaging issues is by assigning milestones. Uh, we have four issues that are not assigned a milestone, so we'll take a look at those today. And then we have one open issue for 6.0 and a number of issues for 6.xo features and 6xx bugs. Um, and that's where we are on milestones. And so overall, I would say we're very, very close to 6.0 stable. And as soon as we see 6.0 stable, expect to see a 6.1 unstable release. So uh, let us know if there's anything urgent that we need to get in or that we should block a stable release on. Uh, but I think I'll bring it up in the weeds as well, because uh, maybe we want to do that. Uh, exciting times. Thank you to everybody who's contributed to 6.0. It's uh, going to be a good one. Thank you, Anonymous Cheetah, for writing out my my overview. Okay. Uh, next up, let's go to Katni for the library update. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. So this applies to all of the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries, which is every repository that begins with Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore. Uh, we had 16 pull requests merged by seven authors and eight reviewers. Um, I think Foamy Guy is new to reviewing, uh, so I wanted to call out uh, foamy guy for joining us um, in reviewing uh, the more reviewers we have the more authors we can support in terms of merged pull requests we had three that were over a month old which is excellent and um, the rest of them were all within zero or one days leaving us with 32 open pull requests um, the newest of which is two days old so uh, hopefully we will be getting to more of those this week um we had 18 issues closed by 15 people and 14 opened by 14 people. So we are net down for 232 open issues. Nine of those are good first issues. Uh, if you're interested in any of this information or interested in contributing to CircuitPython, check out circuitpython.org contributing. There you'll find uh, all of this, a list of open pull requests, a list of all the open issues, and um, some library infrastructure issues. And all of those things are things that we would love to have help with. Um, in terms of reviewing, even if you don't have reviewing permission, you can still take a look at any of the open pull requests and just let us know that you took a look at it. Check it for syntax. If you have the hardware, actually test the PR. Um, let us know that you did that. It, all of it's helpful. Um, and in terms of open issues, uh, if you're new to everything, you can search for good first issues, uh, which are at a very basic level. Um, or you can search for bug or enhancement uh, if you're looking for something a little more complicated. And that will give you all of the issues across all the libraries that apply to those labels. Um, and it's a, also a great place to get started if you want to actually contribute um, code. And there is a guide on contributing to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub. And if you, so if you're unfamiliar with that, don't let that intimidate you. And we're always available to answer questions. We want you to join us. Um, in terms of library updates in the last seven days, there was one new library, a TMP 11.7, and <clears throat> pardon, um, a number of updated libraries that I will not read off, but they are in the notes. Um, and that's where we are with the libraries. In terms of the libraries overall, it's we're always seeing um, at least you know, between 10 and 20 pull requests being merged, most of which are very new, um, which is great because it means that we're, we're constantly updating what we have. Um, and then uh, seeing, uh, you know, somewhere between, you know, zero and three new libraries a week, um, which is also excellent because we're adding new hardware, um, which means we're expanding uh, CircuitPython support. So it makes it much easier for folks to utilize CircuitPython in their project when there's more and more options all the time. 
Um, libraries are a great way to get started contributing. So if you want to join this project, check out the libraries. Um, it's definitely uh, makes things easier um, for folks who want to get started because we have a lot more good first issues. And it also means contributing in Python uh, versus contributing um, directly to the core, which is uh, not Python. <laughs> so if you're looking to contribute some Python code, check out the libraries. And that's what I've got. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. And I was uh, excited to see there's 280 libraries right now. Yeah, it's it's continuing to go up. And that includes both the CircuitPython, um, the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries and the CircuitPython community libraries, which are available in the CircuitPython community bundle. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Next up, we have Blinka update from Maker Melissa. Hello. Uh, Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. And uh, this this week, actually, we have uh, some new statistics on here because of Foamy Guy adding that. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and read those off. Uh, we had two pull requests merged by two authors and two reviewers. We ha currently have five open pull requests, and those are listed between uh, five different uh, repos. And uh, we had one closed issue by one person and two open by two people. We removed the Hacktoberfest label from zero issues, and there were 45 open issues um, among the different repos now. And there were 1,820 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 60 boards. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you, Melissa. Okay, next up we have Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for us to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing within our community and more broadly, if you see it uh, or think it's appropriate. Um, this is done as a round robin, so I will start and then circle back to the top of the list and go through folks. Uh, if you don't want to speak, uh, just let us know you're lurking and I will skip over you. Uh, if you don't want to speak but do have uh, notes that you'd like me to read off, throw those in the notes doc and I'll read them for you. Happy to do that. Uh, that also works if you're unable to make the meeting. Um, so if you're listening to this after the fact and you like would like to participate but can never make the meeting, uh, check the notes doc out. It's always pinned to the... Uh, if you hit the pins icon on the CircuitPython text channel um, for the week prior up to the meeting. So... You can always add those early uh, if you'd like to start participating that way as well. And uh, I'll take a time code and get going here. So first, a hug report to Maker Melissa for continued help with requests in ESP32 Spy. Uh, it feels like we've turned the corner, and I hope that's the case. Uh, but thank you for helping me get there. Uh, thank you to Benny E for helping debug SSL issues. I uh, saw lots of discussion uh, when I was looking last week, and that's really awesome. Um, Johnny, can you mute? And thank you for joining. Um, there's one other person that I wanted to thank that I did not pull up. Uh, scrolling back. I think it was from yesterday. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Oh, uh, yes. So uh, I wanted to thank AKBY Kraz uh, for just uh, posting uh, the good news to the text channel that um, they were having some trouble with the display stuff and uh, they tried the latest version and it was all going uh, much better. So thank you to them. Uh, and then also last up, uh, thank you to Foamy Guy for show, uh, joining Show and Tell and being so helpful overall. Uh, it was great to see you there. And with that, let's circle around. Um, so we have notes from Anecdata. Um, Anecdata says, uh, Hug report to Tan Newt, Maker Melissa, and everyone uh, testing and fixing for the push on Wi-Fi quality of life last week. Um, and then we have some lurkers. Uh, and Carter... Charles are lurking, so uh, we'll go to Dan. 
Okay, uh, just uh, one thing this week. Um, Scott and I had a long talk about um, sleep, deep sleep, light sleep, and other kinds of stuff like that, and uh, uh, triggering events when those things, or when waking up from sleep when you get certain kinds of events. So there's already um, PRs and issues in process, and we talked about the details of that, and I'm going to be working on that as we, but we had a very productive discussion, I thought, last week. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Uh, next up, we have notes from David Glaub, who says, uh, How Report Titanic and Lady Ada for an entertaining video. And next up, we have notes from D. Harada, who says, A group hug. And now we have Foamy Guy. All right. Uh, for this week, I got a hug report for Dan. Uh, thanks for working on um, all, 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 all the work um, in general, but recently I know. Dan's done a bunch of work on uh, Bluetooth low energy and getting that to work with ESP32s. Uh, and I had some fun playing around with a Matrix Portal um, pixel art demo that you can control from the, the Bluetooth Connect app. So uh, Dan's work made that super easy to set up. Um, to Kevin Thomas, um, I think last week or the week before, was named the Pi Dev of the Week. So that's really cool. Congratulations to Kevin. Um, and then thank you for working on a great series of articles, Python for Kids. Um, and then also this week, uh, or over the weekend, made a ESP32 S2 uh, basic um, article reader. It will pull articles from Hackster.io and show the titles. Um, so that was a, a good uh, example project for the ESP32 S2. Um, thank you to Marius450. Uh, I've seen a couple of cool things that Marius has made. The Matrix Portal Maze, uh, I thought was really cool. And then uh, more recently, they made the a, a kind of mashup between the Display.io shapes and the LED animation library to make uh, on the matrix portal is how they ran it uh, originally, but it, it works on displays as well. Um, and it lets you make uh, really cool animated shapes onto the screen. So that's really fun. Um, and they also helped me figure out how to set up uh, my repository so that I um, can't push to it uh, from my local one. So hopefully I won't accidentally push anything anymore. And then lastly, uh, thanks to Carter for a nice uh, talk about display IO and external displays uh, that we'll talk a little bit more about in the weeds. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Foamy Guy. Next up, we have Hierofat. Just a group hug to everyone for this week. Awesome. Thank you. And next up, we have Jeff. Uh, I also have a group hug. I feel like I've been a little bit of a hermit the last couple of weeks and not spending as much time with the community as I should. And uh, I'm trying to turn that around. So maybe I'll have something more specific next time. No worries. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, next up is Jerry. Yeah, thanks to the Ben E as well for um, diving into the SSL issues with an ESP32S2 and um, and a group hug. Awesome. All right, next up we have Katni. Uh, so I have a hug report for Foamy Guy um, for updating the FeatherSense guide to have the right library folder structure in the screenshot and the list. Um, we updated the LSM60S, I think, library, um, refactored it from a single MPy file to a package, and there are still lingering guides that uh, were not updated. So slowly people are catching that and um, reporting it. And uh, Foamy Guy has updated multiples of those guides for me, so thank you so much for that and everything that you do. Um, and a group hug to everyone. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. Next up, we have notes from Kevin Thomas, who says, uh, Hug report to Foamy Guy for partnering with me to get the CircuitPython IoT streaming data ESP32S2 OLED version tutorial complete on the Metro ESP32S2. And next up is Maker Melissa. Hello. So I wanted to give a hug report to Jepler for uh, helping point me in the right direction regarding an issue I was having with SD card IO. Um, I wanted to give a hug report to Foamy Guy for adding the Blinkist stats uh, to Adabot and add the for the other related repos. Um, I wanted to give a hug report to you, Scott, for working on pinpointing the cause of the request ESP32 spy issues and a group hug to anyone else awesome thank you melissa uh next up we have notes from mark 
who says, Hug report to Foamy Guy for doing some tests on my bus device to the core PR. And with that, we're done with Hug Reports. Thank you, everybody, for joining for it, and those of you who uh, participated. Uh, next up, we have status updates. Status updates is a chance for us to talk about what we've been working on and what we plan on working on in the coming week. It is done as a round robin, just like Hug Reports. So again, uh, if you don't want to speak, uh, just let us know you're lurking, and feel free to drop notes, and I will read those off. And as always, if you're unable to make the meeting but want to let us know what you're working on, we'd love to have your status updates as well. Um, and with that, I will get started. Um, so I merged, uh, well, Melissa merged ESP32 Spy and request fixes that I PR'd. Uh, well, it sounds like it's working better for everybody, and I hope that continues. Uh, so I was working on that last week, uh, lots of debugging. Uh, this week, I'm working on a MagTag project for myself, and then I fully expect to find bugs and issues as I do it, and I will uh, continue to run those down. So uh, one that's on my radar in particular is an issue with some SSL services uh, on the S2 with the native Wi-Fi stuff, so uh, I'll get up to speed on where, we're that, where we are with that and uh, help get that checked in and fixed. Um, and any other things that I run across. <laughs> okay, uh, circling around, uh, we go to Dan. Hold on, okay. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, I'm working on sleep and waking up from sleep. Uh, I'm, uh, there were some straw man API proposals. I've got yet another proposal and um, I'll be I'll be writing that up an issue, and I'll start working on ESP32 implementation of this because that's the board that we're most interested in being able to sleep deeply right now. And um, once that's done, then I can move on to some other boards for the same thing. But that's the highest priority for right now. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. All right. We have notes from David Glad next who says, uh, last week, upgraded most of my boards to RC1 and controlling a unicorn hat HD using this library uh, with the link in the notes there. Uh, hopefully it's in the CircuitPython community bundle as well. Uh, this week, starting from Thursday, playing with my mag tag, uh, trying to understand PixelBuff to maybe use it for the unicorn hat HD or the LED shim. Uh, and there's a link to an issue in the notes. And last up, trying to make a clue timestamp keyboard encoder for this meeting. Awesome. Thank you, David. Okay, next up we have notes from Dihirata, who says, um, Last week, working on a few guides. This week, hopefully finishing the guides I was working on and testing some PRs. And next up, Foamy Guy. All right, I had uh, a couple of days off last week and this week, so I've been spending some extra time working on CircuitPython. That's why I got kind of a long list this week. Uh, but I did the, uh, the pixel art painting demo I mentioned on the Matrix Portal, the Bluefruit Connect app. Um, I learned how to, to um, set up Autobot to run locally to build the reports that get pasted into this um, document. And I added the, some extra repositories for the Blinka section of the reports. Um, I updated the Feather Sense Guide with the new uh, library uh, bundle, like Katni mentioned. Uh, I went on show and tell for the first time on, on last week. Uh, I also, this week, I learned how to build the um, circuitpython.org repo, how to get it to serve the, the site locally so I could test out changes in that repo. Um, I did a bunch of testing on different devices on the, um, the bus device in the core uh, branch that's in a PR right now. I'm super excited to see that come along. Uh, and I have, uh, have not run into any issues. I ran it on a bunch of different devices. Um, different ports uh, and stuff and, and uh, used a bunch of different I2C and stuff. Devices haven't had any trouble there, so that's really cool to see that come along. Um, I worked on a uh, alignment example for the slideshow library. Um, the new feature for alignment was added a little while ago, um, and so now we have an example that shows how to use it. Um, I kind of dived into the core actually for the first time a little bit uh, over the weekend, so I found an issue where groups and tile grids after you set the hidden to true and then try to set it back to false, they don't reappear. Um, and so I tried to fix that. I got uh, some code that does seem to fix it. I don't know if it's necessarily the best way, uh, but it did work. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and then this week, 
I want to look into refactoring the slideshow library to make it easier to do other things on the screen at the same time. Like if you want to bounce back and forth between the slideshow and some text, for instance, uh, that's kind of how I got looking into the hidden stuff in the core. Uh, I want to look at refactoring Link of Pi Portal, um, and and really, I, I think there's probably a few other places as well that use secrets, uh, importing secrets, like to get your Wi-Fi network and stuff like that. So the problem is it, it conflicts with a, a module in C Python, um, so you can't you can't just import it like that on uh, at least on on C Python on a PC. I don't know if Raspberry Pi has that problem or not, but uh, I want to look at a way to solve that and make that code work everywhere if I can. Um, and then lastly, I want to work on uh, basically uh, solving the problem generally of cycling through some lines of text. Like if you have a super tiny screen and you can fit, you know, three or four lines of text on it, um, I want to make it easy to cycle through the lines so you can show, you know, three or four at a time. Um, and every few seconds or, you know, when you hit a button or something, it will go to the next line uh, and shift the, the previous ones off the top. Um, so that's what I got going on. Thanks. Um, two things for the secret stuff. Uh, are you thinking just thinking of a new name that doesn't conflict? Um, I would like that for a long-term solution. Uh, the shorter term sort of less, um, drastic change I was thinking of was just not doing the import and instead allowing it to get passed in as a parameter. And then if the parameter was none, then try to do the import mm. uh, inside the constructor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but changing the name, I think, is probably a good idea for the long term, uh, especially as we get more and more devices with Blinka and we get more and more things that work on um, just like PC directly, right? The Bluetooth right. stuff and the display of stuff and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I guess we should say, think of a name, folks. <laughs> what should we rename Secrets? Um, and then for the cycling lines of text, mm-hmm. are you thinking like what Terminal does? Uh, I don't know. I'm not too sure what the terminal does, to be honest with you. I was thinking of with um, display.io uh, text, display text, the label. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I've never really looked into terminal, how it behaves. But I was essentially thinking just kind of make a label with four lines or however many fit on the screen. And then e- each time you need to, to cycle it, just uh, choose a new four lines out of your string, basically. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You might want to take a look at terminal. It might I might do what you want. Okay. Um, okay. It only works. It only works for monospace fonts, though. Uh, which could be. But a it can do. Um, it can take like PDF file as long as it's monospace or. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It, it just uses a. It uses a single tile grid. So. Um, you can just. It's a single tile grid, and you just feed it what you want to show, and it just shows the latest thing that you wrote to it. Nice. Okay, cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up we have Higher Effects. Okay, um, this last week was not my most productive for reasons, um, <laughs> but uh, I did. I spent some time getting up to speed basically on, on UDP IP and, and kind of the whole internet um, protocol stack. Um, it's been a long time since I did any networking, so... Um, and uh, the first time I'm doing anything with the transfer layer. So I've been looking at that so I can hopefully be useful um, as that those features proceed on CircuitPython. Um, I did some reviews of uh, the existing NeoPixel uh, modifications and um, incoming CountIO and uh, Rotary.io. Uh, this week, um, I'm going to be working more on UDP, hopefully actually getting some, some decent test batches that don't fail. Um, and uh, uh, I'll be working on, now that I have some uh, additional NeoPixel hardware, I'll be working on soldering that together and speeding up uh, those services on um, Arduino and potentially CircuitPython. Uh, and then working a little bit on the bug with backlog, specifically um, the F1 port, which has been sitting around in our uh, PR list for a long time. And I think that literally the fix for it is one line long, and I just haven't gotten in there uh, to test it. So. Um, Hopefully going to do that this week. Um, I've also been working a little bit on Percival Project, which is uh, SPI peripheral, uh, SPI peripheral module, um, which I'm using uh, along with a technology called Steam VR, which is what powers the Vive headset, which I'm going to be using for some robotics teleoperation and and other stuff. So, um, yeah, been working on the API for that. And that's it for me. Awesome. Thank you, awesome. Higher Effect.
Okay, next up we have Jeff. Hello again. Uh, last week, my main work was a guide for the CanIO module, which I think will go live soon. And I also did work on the Arduino can library for the upcoming uh, Adafruit Feather M4 can. And uh, along the line, I verified that uh, with that upcoming Feather, you can use two CAN bus interfaces at the same time, one using the built-in transceiver and one with the external transceiver. Um, being able to, uh, this is something that Adafruit is gonna use internally when they test the boards. Uh, but another interesting thing you can do with that is turn your uh, CircuitPython board into a CAN proxy. So you could filter things that came in from one side and send them out to the other side and maybe modify this or that. So an interesting possibility. Um, anyway, this week I'm getting back to audio out on the ESP32-S2. I was a little bit stuck at the end of the week two weeks ago, but now I've got the debugger set up so that I can have breakpoints and get uh, traceback information and all that good stuff. So hopefully that will allow me to at least gather the information to ask better questions. And in the fun stuff category, I just got a new 3D printer today. I bought into the marketing hype and got an original Prusa. And it's got more build area than my previous printer. Uh, the high-tech build surface and auto bed leveling were also uh, points that I was really looking for. So I look forward to playing with that and listening to it in the background while I work on CircuitPython. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jeff. Next up, we have Jerry. Yeah, hi. Uh, not much to report of any significance. Uh, against my all my efforts i've been dragged rather kicking and screaming out of a retirement temporarily on a project so but a little little sidetrack on that uh, hopefully it won't be for too long just a couple of months and uh hopefully no more than half time but it does cut into my play time a lot all right well uh i hope you uh don't hate it too much jerry <laughs> i'll survive <laughs> all right next up is katney all right, so last week published the Metro ESP32-S2 guide, tested the install instructions in the Metro guide and found some quirks and issues so Lamore could update the instructions to be better. Wrote up a page explaining the pin naming in CircuitPython for the ESP32-S2, including a fancy pin diagram. Uh, created six fritzing objects, added to the downloads page in the BMP3XX guide to include the BMP390, Found a bug on the back silk of the 128 by 64 OLED Featherwing. The button labels on the pins are backwards. They read ABC, it should read CBA. Um, added the STEMIQT fritzing diagrams and, well, and the basic fritzing diagrams for the BMP390 to the BMP3XX guide. This week, I will be working on the MagTag guide. Um, I actually just tested um, ESP tool. Uh, on, I apparently don't have a Metro ESP32 S2 with me, but I do have a Feather S2. So I ran it through um, ESP tool and it works as we originally expected, <laughs> where I was able to just pip install it um, even inside a virtual environment and run it without using Python before the command. Um, and it works fine. So I'll let Lamar know that and we can update the instructions in the guide to be a little bit simpler. Um, and then I'm going to be working on a new guide that is going to probably be evolving over time permanently, um, which is a guide on how to pick the CircuitPython board that is right for you. And the plan is to start with Wi-Fi boards. So there will be a page that, you know, like be a front page and then the next page will be Wi-Fi boards. And you go into that and there's going to be two or three sentences for each one that explains what differentiates it from the others. So for example, you know, you're looking at the Metro Airlift and the ESP32 on it is a coprocessor versus the Metro ESP32 S2, which uses the actual chip. And also if you are looking for a built-in display, then you would want Pi Portal, um, things like that. So the plan is to have many pages that have features that people are looking for. So Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, built-in displays, built-in color displays, et cetera, um, so that folks can go to this guide and say, I'm looking for a board that does this thing. And they can go to that page, click it, find all the boards that have that thing, and find out what the features are for each of those boards to help folks pick. Um, we don't 
have anything we have something like that for feather um we don't have anything like that for the overall circuit python boards yet so uh that is the next thing that's on my list and it's definitely um something that's going to continue over time we're not going to um i if it's not i'm not sure well, i know we do melissa but it's um there's not an explanation of why one thing is better than the other. It simply says that it has Wi-Fi as a feature. It doesn't say, like, it has Wi-Fi and also does Bluetooth. Um, that's what the guide is meant to do, is to go one step beyond what circuitpython.org has. And I don't know about the non-ESP boards. Um, basically, if it's supported natively in CircuitPython, it'll be on the list. Um, and it's going to start small and, and go big, basically. So we'll start with one thing and move forward page by page. And um, yes, it, that would be that would be included, um, Lucian. So anyway, um, if uh, as that guide goes up, um, let us know if you have feedback because it's meant you know for you. So if if you go to that guide and it doesn't make sense to you or you find something that doesn't, you know, follow what you expect in terms of what you expected to get out of a particular board, um, please let us know either through the feedback or email support at adafruit.com or find us on Discord. Um, all of those things are valid ways to get a hold of us to let us know that this particular guide might be better with um, some additions to it. So keep an eye out for that. Um, the MagTag guide will be coming up first because it's already been released and we don't have a guide for it yet. So that will be the first uh, priority. And that's what I've got going on. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Okay, next up we have notes from Kevin Thomas who says, last week created a new Microbit V2 tutorial on how to modify a C library. Taught how to add a library function called microbit.temperature underscore F to when called in the Python REPL, would read the board's internal temperature sensor and convert it to Fahrenheit and return that value to the user. Partnered with FoamyGuy to create a CircuitPython IoT streaming data ESP32 S2 OLED version tutorial, in addition to a REPL version for the Metro ESP32 S2. Uh, this week, developing a more in-depth tutorial for how to create a custom C library for the new Microbit V2 in preparation for their launch. Uh, develop a custom music theory C library that will be callable in the Python REPL to where the user can pass in a note such as C, and it will return all of the chords in the major, C, the C major scale. Um, there will be a minor key conversion function as well for all of the notes from A to G, including all of the relative sharps and flats. And next up, we have Maker Melissa. Hello. Um... Last week, I added eight new Blinka boards to circuitpython.org. I worked with Scott to um, add the request, or getting some of the request ESP32 spy bugs squashed. Uh, I updated the PyPortal library to handle HTTP errors better. Uh, I ported the some of the PyPortal library improvements to the Matrix Portal library. And I added the 2.9-inch tricolor featherwing to the e-ink breakouts and featherwings guide. Uh, this week, I am working on writing a MagTag library. And that's it. Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, next up, we have notes from Mark, who says, uh, want to move bus device to the core out of draft PR. I think it is ready. That's very exciting. And next up, we have notes from Microdev, who says, uh, finish the rotary I.O. and the count I.O. implementation for the ESP32-S2. This week, I'm working on implementing a camera module for the ESP32-S2. Also, I plan to upgrade the current camera module implementation to a more mature cam I.O. API. Awesome. Excited to see that. And that's it for status updates. Uh, thank you to everyone as always. And uh, last up we have the final section, which is in the weeds. 
In the Weeds is a chance for us to just talk about kind of whatever we want, um, whether, you know, sort of longer form discussions can happen at the end here. Um, it gives us the time and space to have discussions. So uh, if you have topics, please add them to the uh, to the bottom of the section and put, your, uh, put a note into what uh, your username is so that we'll hand it off to you. And with that, I'll ha- hand it off to Foamy Guy and Carter. All right. Uh, so we got to talking about this as a, originally this came up with, um, you know, lots of lots and lots of people have matrix portals now, right? Um, and lots of them are being introduced to Display.io for the first time. And lots of the existing Display.io sample code uh, makes use of board.display, which won't work on the matrix portal just yet. Uh, or I don't know if it's just yet or if it will ever work, I guess it's not not exactly a built-in display. Um, so the example code doesn't work. Um, and what we tried to come up with was, you know, what's the easiest solution that uh, we can kind of update the sample code to get it to play nicely with um, as many people as possible. So the, the kind of pro- pro- uh, proposal that we came up with here was uh, sort of two parts, basically making a, a guide page or enhancing an existing guide page that will um, kind of explain and show examples of how to set up a bunch of different external displays, uh, including the RGB matrices. And then in the uh, code, in any of the example code, we'll uh, try to be diligent about including um, this code here that, that Carter just pasted in the chat. So make a, a variable for display and set it equal to you know board.display if you're using a built-in display. Um, and then, you know, right there, we could have a link to that guide page where they would be able to go and look up, you know, is it a, an external LCD display or is it an OLED or is it a, you know, an RGB matrix or whatever? They could see the initialization code uh, right on that page and they would just replace the display equals uh, board.display with their own setup. And then the rest of the code um, hopefully would work uh, the same without having to make any other changes is the idea. So just looking to get feedback on, um, I guess, I, I kind of two parts. I guess the the little chunk there that we um, are thinking about putting in the examples, uh, or I think feedback on a technical level. If there's some way, if there's some way that I don't know about, or, or some way that uh, we haven't considered that maybe we could make it um, even less of a difference technically, that would be that would be cool as well. Yeah, I was thinking about this a little bit when I was playing with my matrix portal. And I, I it's fundamentally what I think you alluded to is like, there is not actually a built in display because you could hook it up to multiple different ones, different kinds. Yeah. Um, I mean, theoretically, we could like, default it to the largest of the displays we, that we want to handle. But like, then we're using a bunch of RAM that we don't actually need. Um, so I think I think the idea of a, a guide page that just has with this display, do this example. With this display, do that example is perfectly good. Um, okay. My preference in terms of like how examples should handle multiple support is just have multiple examples rather than having uh, one example that has a lot of different things that are commented out. Okay. Um, yeah, perfect. And yeah. I, I will. Um, I worked on. I don't remember. I think it, I don't remember what library it was in, but the it came up as a, an issue originally, I think display text maybe, or one of those um, libraries. And I did create a separate example for it. So that's good to know as well that we, um, that we like the separate files better. I think I would prefer that as well too. So uh, I can work on creating some more of those. Yeah. I, the reason that I like separate examples is um, it means the example itself is smaller and simpler. And yeah. it also doesn't require the user to comment or uncomment anything. Yep. Um, yep, just ready to go with it and doesn't leave a bunch of extra stuff they don't um, know about or can get c- confused about, especially if they go to try to paste two examples together and they got a bunch of extra stuff. If they don't really understand yep. it, it gets, it gets yep. even more confusing for them. Yeah, so that was the approach I took with all the e-inks. So if you look at like the IL0373 examples folder, you'll see like, here's the example for the 2.9 monochrome. Here's the example for the 2.13 flexible or whatever. Um, so if you want to see how I did it there, that's, that's a place to look. Awesome. All right. Yeah, that sounds good, Carter. I can, uh, I can work on, um, yeah. updating those library examples. Katney, is that all okay with you? Um, yeah, I sort of tuned out. I'm sorry. Um, 
Can you sum it up for me? Yeah, so it's yeah, like, how do you handle multiple displays, for an example? Whether you have one example or you have a lot of small examples. Um, I think it really depends on the number of um, displays. Yeah, we, we're talking specifically about matrix matrices. Okay. Because um, the point being, if if your setup ends up being, you know, 100 lines of code because you you have to put in you know that many displays then smaller examples make sense but if it's only you know 15 20 lines of code to implement you know four or five then one example would be fine okay i'll try to uh as they come up i don't know where all the different um all of these different examples are going to be kind of spread apart so i will uh kind of look at them and and take it case by case and see how many it's going to end up being for each one of them and include comments in in like the size of the setup because you obviously you you want to have you know a couple lines commented out that say like you know use this one for this one and this one for this one and that if that starts to make it too lengthy then then you want to split it out i will say on the matrix portals the nice thing is um the the library right the library you can just import it and it does a bunch of the magic for you so on that front uh, it's actually really really easy right um exactly so that um that also works but yeah it's it's just it's it's case by case basis get a feel for it um we have a f- like if you look around you'll find a few examples where we've got four or five things commented out with with you know two lines of um explanation above each one anything more than that and i think it gets unwieldy okay sounds good all right thank you all uh lastly let's hand it over to dan so i i had typed this in uh, before I looked at the last issue list, uh, RC1 has been out for more than a week. Um, do we think that the outstanding issues that we have right now should hold up 600 final or not? So one of them that was placed in 600 was the grayscale OLED one, um, which you marked as added to the 600 milestone. Right. And the other is um, this other odd crash on ESP32 S2 when you import certain things. Mm-hmm. And the question is, I wasn't sure why you thought the grayscale was a showstopper for 600. I think for me, it's just like, it's a sign that like I squared C or spy might be broken. So I'd like to at least get to the point where we okay. replicate it and understand it. Um, just to make sure that it's like maybe limited to just grayscale displays, for example. Okay, and on that particular platform, right? Okay, all right. So we'll just hold up. So I think the answer is let's wait and see. Can I bring up one other possible thing? Yeah. If anyone else has run into it, I, I, I haven't. Um, I think it's only happened on the S two, but I. I'm not even sure. It's that's when you're cutting and pasting into the REPL. Um, I don't know if anyone else has run into this, but I noticed that if I cut and paste, particularly, and, and I, I haven't triggered the, the sequence that does it, but a lot of times the cut and paste will fail. Um, and it'll fail in a kind of a funny way. Um, seems that, and I don't know if it's if, if you've done, if you've done a. I, I don't have a, a good, a, a good examples of it, but I've had a lot of trouble with with cutting and pasting, especially certain kinds of line lines that have parentheses in them with long mm-hmm. argument lists. It cuts them off and it, it just some funny things, but it also may be related to whether or not you've done a, an up arrow, you know, using read line type stuff. So has anyone else run into that? I've definitely run into lots of issues that are similar to that on the other ports. Okay. Um, so, have often had to do covering have to do with what? Oh, they, they, they've they've had. I've never really pinned down exactly what they were. So, um, it, it, I'm not sure if there's a common theme that that causes that behavior. But it, definitely, the copy pasting has been one of the most problematic aspects I've had with the REPL across all ports. Okay, so maybe it's it's just a generic thing, and I'll I'll try and come up with some simple examples and put them in. But it, again, it doesn't isn't going to hold up six zero sure. But it but I'm just curious about other people running it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's does kind of sound like it could be caused by tiny USB. Yeah. Uh, the thing that, like, I don't do any large copy and pasting, so I don't think I'd see it. But I would just like it say have to be large. It, 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 yeah, it doesn't have to be a big cup. You know, single line or something like that. Will, will some sometimes it works fine, and in some conditions, sometimes you can do a nice big block. And other times, it just fails horribly. <laughs> so uh, not, not really predictable. If there's if there's one thing I've learned is that you can you can spend a lot of time kind of like pinning down trying to pin down like what the actual specific reproducible problem is, and then it turns out that it's just some janky thing way upstream in tiny USB. <laughs> you just like spend a bunch of time on something that just kind of gets fixed upstream. So, um, can I ask a question? Could it be, uh, could it be that somebody? Uh, Stuck a tab somewhere in the comment. And then Dan, can you mute while you're typing? What? Dan Dan was typing as loud as I can hear you, Charles. So oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, I was just asking. Could it be a form of a, a, a formatting in the text that you're cutting and pasting? Because it doesn't sound like it happens all the time. Yeah, it's like a question of where you're cutting from. Yeah. You know, like, if you don't cut from the beginning of the line. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I think my take on this is, is kind of just like... Oh, yeah. Foamy, foamy Guy points out the uh, tab would cause completion. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. In the previous problems of the era that I saw often when it was a buffering problem, it would drop kind of unpredictable numbers of characters every set, no, it, like in a set number of characters. So it would like mm -hmm. every, you know, five or 10 characters, it would it would drop one, it would miss one. Yeah. Okay, that uh, that was different from what I thought it might be. Oh, I mean, that's, that's just what I've run into. I mean, it could be something totally different. That, but that, I did see that behavior on uh, on ST and on IMX for a little bit. Um, there's an issue on both of those. Okay. Yeah. I see what, okay. I got, now that I understand what, what you're talking about, it makes, I don't think what I was thinking was the right answer. Although I've encountered, still be, I don't know. <laughs> dropped out when you're cutting and pasting, it's not catching the end of the line and then it drops. Yeah. It, then you press an enter key and it doesn't remember where the indent is i've had that happen a couple of times hmm. so that may be just that it dropped it uh, dropped the character on the end and it just screwed up the uh indent on the next line and i you know i think that's just a matter of making sure that you push it off the end of the line so that you don't around to the beginning of the next line. Right, so you don't wrap. So it doesn't try to wrap it into one line. Yeah, I think... Into one line. My feeling on this is that it's not important enough to block the stable release on. Um, it's good to know about, though. Yeah, it's good to know about, and it looks like Jeff already has this issue file that sounds similar to what Jerry was talking originally. Okay. Might so, be a good idea to try and stress test it across a bunch of different ports and make like kind of a big combo issue for it to see if there's anything that's related between the different port problems. Yeah, I think I, I think this issue is probably just something we should just ask TAC to look at. All right. um, no, no, that's true. For tiny USB, um, and then eliminate it. Eliminate tiny USB as a uh, possible source of problem. Well, I'm almost positive that's the problem. <laughs> like, okay. like it sounds very like. No better I, like, than I ever will. Like we've gotten the most churn in this part of the code from tiny usb it's not like it's not like circuit python's handling of serial stuff is changing at all um so it makes me think that tiny it's like we upgraded tiny usb with 6.0 and so that makes me feel like it's that 
Now we could pull the latest tiny USB in, but I don't want to do that for stable either. Um, and in fact, I don't really want to pull either tiny USB or the IDF for 6.1 as well. Um, so I think my bias overall is just like, it's ready. We should get it out. People will find some issues and the catastrophic ones we can fix in a 601. But generally, I, I really like to get us to a 6.1 world. Um, even if 6.1 is not stable, I'd like to be able to start releasing it. Um, primarily because that's where I want to keep ESP32S2 folks. Um, so the 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 only reason that I'd like us to t just take a brief look at the grayscale thing is just like making sure that like spy isn't broken or I squared C isn't broken, um, which I doubt it is, but it's just like, those things are so core to what people do that I want to make sure that we, we just double check it. Um, does anybody disagree with me or would it be okay of, we look at this grayscale thing, we figure out why it's fixed in because it's fixed in Maine from what Melissa was testing. So like, if we spend an hour figuring out what this was, is it still okay to release with it? If it's not like a broad problem. I mean, that sounds fine to me. I think otherwise we're pretty stable. Yeah. I put a link to uh, ESP 32 S two crash on import, but it's just weird. And ESP 32 is beta. So it shouldn't stop a stable release. I think we're fine to do stable. Okay. So, Dan, do you want to look at that OLED thing, or should I later today or tomorrow? Uh, I don't have a grayscale. Okay, I do have OLED. I do have one okay, right here. Yeah. So, yeah, I could do it. Um, yeah, if you could just if you could just try it, yeah. That's, okay. But I I, I I thought it was something to do with display I/O, but I didn't. That was my assumption. But that's my that's my suspicion too, and I wouldn't yeah. block the release on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, if all we have to say is like use six zero alpha one or six one alpha one, like then it's fine. Yeah. Uh, if it's just limited to like grayscale OLEDs, like the only reason I would block is if it was like very broad. Yeah. I yeah. might have one to test, Scott. If you need testing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I'll try to remember to do it because mag tags important as well. I think people are excited. Yeah. Um, so getting that guy, like, I can't really, I'm not a guide person, so. Um, yeah, I do think I have one. I just have to find it in my box. I, I only think I have one. <laughs> I think I remember seeing it going past when I was reorganizing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's new. Yeah. I, but yeah, I think I had a couple, I had a couple, had a couple fairly recent orders that were here. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, so that I think that's the conclusion of this is like we are ready. We just need to double check that this issue is not a large one. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, David G points out that mag magtag is grayscale two, which it's possible that there was something that I fixed when I added the grayscale support for the e ink, but the e ink was a lot of gymnastics that that the OLED shouldn't need. Because the OLED actually stores the two bits of grayscale next to each other, <laughs> where the ink doesn't. Um, cool. Well, uh, expect to see that this week, um, unless uh, something something large comes out, and then I think we'll plan on doing a six one pre release pretty quick after that too. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff in six one that we we'll, that we'll want to get in six one. Right, and I think as, as as Scott has pointed out to me, like we can't start giving making six one releases before we push six zero to be stable because we only have two. We have a stable release and the and and the unstable release, and so we're we're already already people have to retrieve stuff out of S three or something instead of just going to CircuitPython.org. Exactly. So, the quicker we can alleviate that, the better. Sweet. Well, I'll try to do that today. Um, if you don't hear me do it today, then bug me tomorrow, please. Okay. Because right. <laughs> um, I do have a lot of stuff where I'm like, oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to do that. Um, okay.
let me wrap up. So this has been the CircuitPython Weekly Meeting for November 9th, 2020. Um, let me scroll down to the things I have to say. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everybody who participated. If you want to support Adafruit and CircuitPython as an extension of that, uh, please consider purchasing from the Adafruit shop at adafruit.com. Uh, this meeting was recorded, so uh, you can check it out later and share it with folks uh, by going to ADAFRU. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> I was mixing things. Uh, you can go to uh, youtube.com slash Adafruit to see the recording on the Adafruit YouTube channel. Uh, you could also check it out as a, as a podcast on podcasting services. Uh, it will be in the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter that goes out to everyone on Tuesday mornings. Uh, if you aren't subscribed to that, you can subscribe by going to adafruitdaily.com. Um, the next meeting is a week from today. As I check the calendar. Yep, it is a week from today. Uh, here on the Adafruit Discord server, which you can join by going to adafru.it slash discord. Um, if you want to participate next week uh, for the first time with voice, make sure that you're in the Python or in the CircuitPythonistas role. So just ping uh, one of the like Tan Newt or Katni or Dan H uh, if you want to get added to that or any of the, you could ping the moderators too, but uh, you know, don't always like to do that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, next meeting is next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And, uh, before then, we'll see everybody on the discords. Uh, thank you all for making it, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Thank you. Thank you.